Hello and welcome to Candid, where we never settle for less than the truth. I'm your host, Jonathan Youssef. Each week, we'll tackle tough issues, answer your hard questions, and take a candid look at the Christian faith. Repentance is an integral part of the gospel message. And so we decided we wanted to spend three weeks looking at this issue of repentance. And we wanted to do that by looking specifically at Luke chapter 15 and focusing on the story of the lost sons, or what's commonly referred to as the story of the prodigal son. We set some background information up last week as we looked at the character of the father. And today we're looking at the son who left home. Now, the way that Jesus tells this parable is it's unique. It's fascinating, giving us these three different perspectives that we, as the listener or the reader, can put ourselves into. Again, last week we looked at the character of the father, the the joy of the father when a lost one comes home in repentance. And today we shift to the boy after whom the modern heading comes from, the prodigal son himself. And as we break his story down, we're going to break him down by looking at some of the phrases that he uses in his own life. First, we notice that he says to his father, give me what I want. Now, as the younger of two brothers, this son will only get a third of his father's estate, while the older brother will get two-thirds. But that doesn't happen until the father dies. So in the young son coming to his father and saying, give me what is mine, or give me what is coming to me, or give me what I want, he's saying, you are dead to me. Or I wish you were dead. Give me what's coming to me when you die. Could you imagine a harsher word from a child to a parent? It says, you mean nothing to me. You are worth more to me dead than alive. But you see, friends, this is how many of us once treated God. This is how many today still treat God. And people who treat God like the prodigal son treated his father, their relationships with other people tend to be warped and distorted. People who insist that mankind is inherently good or even generally good, and then blame depravity on something other than the human condition. And that will just keep running around in circles looking for the next thing to blame. It's Genesis 3 all over again. Adam blames Eve. Eve blames the serpent. And they all really, in some way, blame God. Adam says, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she is the one that made this error. Because ultimately, we all want to blame God, right? He's in control. This is what happens when we have a weak view of original sin and a weak view of the fall of man, because then we have a weak view of grace and mercy. And therefore, what Christ did on the cross of Calvary loses its power and its impact. 
and it undermines the gospel. You see, Jesus is showing us the fallen natural condition in which we find ourselves. We want to be independent of God in our natural condition. We want to live our lives in our natural state. We don't want God to interfere with our lives unless it's something good. But even then, we just refer to it as luck or good fortune. But when something bad happens, we ask why God doesn't intervene. It's the same reason that people are more than happy to believe in heaven, but the idea of hell is too terrible. We want all the blessing and no consequences for disobedience and rebellion against a holy and righteous God. That, in a sense, is a picture of this lost son. And so he goes not to a nearby village or town where someone might know him or recognize him or know his father, but he goes to the far country. And in the far country, he experiences what we might call the severe mercy of God. Severe because he reaches the depths of depravity and mercy because he does not deserve it, meaning he doesn't deserve to be made able to see his own impoverished and depraved condition. And so he, in a sense, recognizes his need. And instead of being free, which is what he wants, give me what I want, he instead finds himself a slave a slave to whatever your heart desires. Perhaps you have had your far country experience and God has rescued you from that. Perhaps you are there now and you are in your see me in my need moment, asking God to reach out to you. I can assure you he is. But there is a sense in which Even those of us who have been saved, who have put our trust and faith in the risen Christ, still are prone to wander. The great turning point in this story is in the wonderful words, he came to himself. Even his physical, material bankruptcy has not made him come to himself. Physical Poverty itself does not drive us to God. Reason does not itself drive us to God. It has to be a work of the Holy Spirit. Give me what I want. See my need. And finally, take me back. The prodigal son says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me. As one of your hired servants, his highest aim now is to serve his father. And the father won't let him even say the line, treat me as your hired servant, because God the Father through Jesus Christ the Son has no hired servant. We don't work our way back into favor with God. We are not saved by works, but we are saved by grace. And by grace, we are made children of God. We are made sons and daughters, not hired servants. 
I read this quote not long ago. Jesus is more full of grace than I am of sin. Some are too afraid to come to him because we doubt he has as much grace as we need. To cover up for our past sins and our past failings. His arms are open for those who come to him. It is truly a picture of who Christ came for. He came to seek and to save the lost. But the lost need to recognize they are lost before they can be saved. I praise God that he showed me my depravity, my sin, and showed me grace, though I deserved the law and I deserved punishment. And on top of that, he continues to show me grace when I am prone to wander, when I still fail to measure up, his grace is more. For the spirit of repentance in the believer is not a one-time thing, but it becomes a lifestyle because I recognize my proclivity to wander and the necessity to come home to the Father of grace. I hope this imagery of the gracious Father and the prodigal Son speaks volumes to you as you consider where you stand with God. Next week, we'll conclude our series by looking at the older brother. Until then, may God bless you, and may he give you peace. Candid is a podcast from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Don't forget to connect with our social media pages on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And subscribe to Candid Conversations on your favorite podcast platform so that you never miss an episode. While there, please leave a review. It helps people to find us. As always, thank you for listening to and sharing this episode.